0: After this long, hard year, that will make this Independence Day something truly special, where we not only mark our independence as a nation, but we begin to mark our independence from this virus.
1: This is sort of like a groundhog day for the Biden administration, and they've learned from the last one entirely. You know, in July, when he declared independence from the virus, there was genuine optimism that this was in our rear view, only for Delta to happen a few weeks later and really, you know, humble us. Hey there, Pulse Check
0: listeners. This is Annie Reese. We're largely past the Omicron wave of the pandemic, but when it comes to updated guidance, Healthcare reporter Sarah Overmall says that the Biden administration is afraid of its own shadow. So
1: this time around, the president has learned we don't know what's going to happen next. What the administration is arguing now is that even if a new variant emerges, even if, you know, a hot spot happens, a surge happens, we have tools that we didn't have before. Today, we're digging into those tools decoding the
0: new COVID guidance from the administration and why the White House is rushing to catch up with states, even as it's nervous about repeating past mistakes. Let's start maybe with the CDC's new guidelines. It seems like all of a sudden, most of the country went from like high transmission to low transmission. What did they change
1: and where are we at there? Yeah, the map went from almost all red to, you know, green and yellow, overnight, practically. And people are like, what happened? Um, (laughs) What happened is that the CDC said, you know, we have to start calculating this based on how much of a risk this is for the average person. So instead of deciding that some, that an area is red, so to speak, or high transmission mm-hmm. or high risk, we're going to judge this based on the amount of cases in an area to the amount of severe cases and how that area is equipped to deal with those cases. So if New York City has a few new cases, they have the hospital beds to be able to absorb that. Whereas mm-hmm. in a rural area, such as West Virginia, Montana, Idaho, when there's new cases and a very limited amount of hospital beds, then yes, that does put you at a higher risk. And that really reflects where we are right now. We're past the peak of Omicron right now. And for the most part, people who are getting coronavirus at the moment are dealing with it at home, saying it's like a cold and moving on with their lives about a week later. Of course, that's not everybody. And Mm -hmm. chronically ill and immunocompromised people are still on guard. But this reflects that we are in a new place right now and that we have a lot of tools to be able to deal with coronavirus when someone gets it. So
0: speaking of those new tools, the Biden administration Wednesday also announced a new test to treat initiative, which is giving me Halloween vibes. So what's that?
1: (laughs) Okay, first of all, that's perfect. I didn't think of that. Um, Well, this is really, really critical. So basically, we are in a new world in terms of COVID treatments as well. So not only do we have vaccines, we also have antivirals that should be ideally very accessible to someone the minute that they find out that they have tested positive. And when you start to take those, it means that you can potentially curb the severity of the virus in the amount of your sickness and and even the amount of your isolation. That's what, you know, the ideal is. Mm -hmm. And Biden, in his speech on Tuesday, and of course, in the roadmap on Wednesday, name checked the antiviral made by Pfizer in particular and how they are building up orders of that, building up manufacturing capacity so that this is widely accessible. This would mean that if, say, you tested positive for COVID on Wednesday, you could get this antiviral regimen on Thursday. You wouldn't have to, you know go into a doctor's office to receive it, you would get your prescription, you take it at home. It could be a really, really easy way to make sure that this virus isn't going to dominate your life. The problem there is that it is absolutely critical to test positive to get that antiviral. So this Mm -hmm. program is about making sure that not just you and me, people who probably have a lot of healthcare resources, probably have a doctor that we could easily meet with if we get a positive result or think that we have covid not just for us to get these antiviral pills, but for other people who don't have regular care. Um, this is going to be critical for this next phase. Everything that health officials are, are saying is that even if there is new variant, we have got these tools, antivirals being a critical part of those tools, to fight this and make sure that we don't go back into a shutdown situation. So this test-to-treat program is a really important part of that. And then the
0: exit roadmap. Can you take me into the, this exit roadmap that the White House released on Wednesday? And that President Biden kind of teased in his State of the Union address.
1: He did tease that, and it has been in the works for weeks. I think that they almost wanted to get it out before the State of the Union address, but, you know, they've been talking to outside advisors, people like former FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb, people like a former COVID advisor, Andy Slavitt, about what is needed in this, you know, roadmap. And it's interesting you called it an exit roadmap because I keep wanting to call it that too, but I think that... Biden officials would be mad at me if I said that because they oh. are still in this frame of being wary to say that we're we're on an exit, on an off-ramp, so to speak. Um, gotcha. Even just in a press briefing on Wednesday about the roadmap, uh, Anthony Fauci was asked if we're still in a state of emergency, and he said, it depends on what what you define to be an emergency. You know, we are in a place where things are looking up, but we are also in a place where if and when a new variant comes, we have the tools to deal with it. And that's very notable because he's saying, you know, yeah, there could be a new switch. There could be something that happens, a hotspot, a new variant that says we actually do have to put masks back on or we have to get vaccinated again. And this administration has learned from past mistakes on not overselling it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. But, you know, as someone who doesn't even cover health, obviously, to the degree that you do, I think that there's sort of an ever-present, I don't know if I want to say messaging problem, but messaging challenge, right? Where anytime you relax guidance or anytime, you know, you are saying things like taking off masks, it seems to suggest that. Even if they're sort of caveating it with like, things are not over, da 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 This is very articulate. But you, do you see what I'm getting at?
1: No, to- totally. Totally. I mean, it's it's confusing. And honestly, I'm not sure what the answer is for them, because they are in a really difficult place. They don't want to oversell it. And they want to warn that, you know, we might need to put masks back on at some point. But Mm -hmm. again, think about last summer when the CDC said you don't need masks anymore. And then only a few months later said, actually, we all need to wear masks right now. Delta variant is very serious. They're in a very difficult place. There's the complication of you know, will we be done with masks? No one is willing to say that. Also, will we be done with vaccines? People are especially not willing to say that. Right now, it looks like our boosters are lasting mostly against the Omicron variant, or, or at least making it so we won't have severe cases. Mm-hmm. But we're only a few months in on having boosters. And as Delta is any indication, our immunity could fade. And this could be something that becomes regular, like a flu vaccine. And to message that is going to be really, really complicated. Americans are already frustrated with what they see to be moving goalposts, when really it's yeah. the science catching up as we learn more about the virus and about what vaccines and treatments can do and what they can't do.
0: Yeah. I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier about the frustration of immunocompromised people and parents of young kids. You know, I've read a lot of pieces where um, there are many immunocompromised people who kind of feel that this new phase of the pandemic is forcing them back into isolation into their houses when everyone else is sort of watching the world open back up and parents of young kids, babies, you know, the vaccine for the youngest kids has hit some roadblocks.
1: Yes, absolutely. I thought it was notable that President Biden in the State of the Union did make a note to say that immunocompromised people are worried about this. But it wasn't really something that I think will resonate with people who are concerned. He said, you know, you Mm -hmm. can still wear your masks. We're going to be sending you tests and high quality masks. But what a lot of people would argue, a lot of people in these these groups, people who are chronically ill, have certain conditions, Mm -hmm. would say that it's not just about us. It's it's kind of like saying I'm a safe driver on the road, but everyone else on the road is kind of crazy. You know, there's yeah. only so much that you can control yourself, and so that's what they're worried about. And then, of course, as you mentioned, parents. There are still so many questions for parents, and and recent polling from both Politico and Harvard and and um, Kaiser Family Foundation this week says that a lot of parents of children under the age of five are not certain about the vaccines, and. You can understand their viewpoint right now because, you know, there aren't many cases or severe cases among children in that age group, but also the data so far are suggesting that there isn't much protection or much durable protection, at least with two shots, um, for for children in that age group. And so mm-hmm. parents are saying, I need to be convinced of this. And in the meantime, you know, are we going to reopen the economy, reopen schools, when my child is not vaccinated, and I don't understand when they are going to be vaccinated. So these are real risks. And it's interesting that the administration is trying to balance that with this reality that the rest of the nation is moving on anyway. You know, Mm -hmm. states like California and New York are starting their reopening plans, are not requiring certain things anymore. Everyone's going back to school. If the federal government didn't move now, they would look behind everyone else Anyway, so yeah. it is a really fragile balance that they're on. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out and how it could evolve, you know, if there is a new variant or if cases continue to go down.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point about the push pull between what different governors are doing and the federal government, which leads me to my next question of politics. Like, how much of this is also about the political pressure that the administration feels under? polling right now is not great for the Biden administration. We're in a moment, as you said, where a lot of people are very sick of COVID, of living with the virus. And so it feels also just purely politically like it's smart messaging to try to be in a new phase, right?
1: No, absolutely. I mean, and and skeptics would absolutely say that that is what happened here, especially with, you know, the CDC COVID map changing significantly. Um, What CDC would say is that they've been working on this for weeks and that they are, you know, changing this map at the same time as state governors as as local leaders are changing their policies so that actually they're doing this at the right time but you're right you know Biden is polling low he came into office promising to end the pandemic and at this point it's going to look far less like one moment where we say the pandemic is over and far more like this patchwork that we're in where you know you and I are in a green zone and we can do certain things. And then there's other parts of the country that are in hot spots and they have their own risks. And it's going to be, you know, sort of this reality that is different across the nation. And what's interesting for Biden about that is that he's not going to have, you know, his mission accomplished moment um, Mm -hmm. and say, you know, I've done it. There are still so many aspects of this that have to move forward with the pandemic roadmap that he laid out on Wednesday. There are so many parts of that that are going to need congressional funding and Mm -hmm. support. And so, you know, yes, this is something that could be politically advantageous for him. To say we are in a new phase, but also expect in the months ahead, in these months before the midterms, for him to be wrangling with Congress over why all these different variables, things like bolstering U.S. manufacturing of vaccines, bolstering testing capacity, adding things to the stockpile, improving the network for schools not to have to close if there is a new wave, all that is going to take a lot of congressional back and forth and funding. So it's still not going to be an easy road for him at all.
0: All right, that's our show for this week. I'm Annie Reese, and a big thank you to Sarah Overmall from our healthcare team for joining me. PulseCheck's senior editor is Raghu Manavalan, and our senior producer is Jenny Ament. Thanks so much for listening, and have a wonderful week.
1: My cats are fighting. <laughs> hey, guys. Okay, they've broken it up. <laughs> Maybe it was about the CDC guidance. I don't know.